Welcome to the DE Talk podcast. Tune in for dialogue between HR experts to amp up your HR strategies. Don't worry, we'll mix in a few laughs as we know you need it. As the COVID-19 pandemic continues, employers around the globe will soon face new challenges. Will they require employees to be vaccinated? While many are encouraging their workers to get vaccinated, relatively few workplaces are making shots a requirement of employment. To get down to the legal nitty-gritty, we sat down with employment law expert Jay Wang of Fox Wang & Morgan to provide guidance on vaccine mandates, the recent FDA approval, and what this means for employers and employees around the nation. Ever since COVID-19 vaccines became widely available to the masses, The great debate whether vaccine mandates would be coming to the workplace has taken place in boardrooms, Zoom rooms, and newsrooms alike. For employers, the pandemic has introduced a whole new level of confusion related to what can be required, what cannot, what other like industries are doing, and more. News reports of vaccine passports, requirements, and continuing mask mandates remain hot topics and much gray area exists as employers grapple with the next hurdle to require COVID-19 vaccination as a condition of employment or not. With the recent FDA approval of the Pfizer vaccine, how will the landscape continue to shift and what vaccination requirements will begin to take shape? To answer these questions and more, I welcome employment law expert Jay Wang, partner in the California-based firm of Fox Wang & Morgan, to the DE Talk podcast. Jay specializes in employment litigation that includes civil claims involving wrongful termination, harassment, unpaid wages, discrimination, trade secrets, and workplace violence claims, and also counsels clients as to human resources issues ranging from family leave practices, workplace investigations, and disciplinary write-ups. And we could not think of a better person to have join us today as he has provided much COVID-19 guidance and information to our own operations team at Direct Employers. Welcome, Jay. It's great to have you join us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we're very happy to include you today. Um, But before we get started, can you just share a little bit about your background with us? Sure. Uh, (laughs) I've now been practicing law for... (laughs) I think about how long it's been it's a little surprising, but 22 years oh, wow. graduating, from, <laughs> yeah, graduating from Georgetown Law School in 1999. I've done employment law, specifically employment defense law, advising uh, corporations, employers uh, as to HR policies and defending them in litigation since 2004. Uh, so I've spent about 17 years now doing employment law. Uh, And I got to say 2020 and 2021 sort of has reoriented a lot of heart, (laughs) a lot of us employment lawyers into a whole new area we never thought we'd be exposed to. Oh, I I know. I I gave a webinar yesterday and I was literally talking about accommodation requests. And we're getting, you know, everyone I know in the you know, employment world is getting more of those than we've ever seen before, you know, and we're hearing about religious accommodations and, you know, it just, it, it goes down the, the way. I mean, it just seems like there's so much more today than we've seen ever. And I've been in my <laughs> field of human resources for gosh, 35 years. So I, I know what you mean. Um, to that point, you've become somewhat of a uh, subject matter expert for your clients on COVID-19 regulations and requirements and mandates and all of that. Uh, was this a topic that you just naturally gravitated to, or is it something you 
find interesting or, or how did that all happen? <laughs> well, honestly, I don't think any uh, employment lawyer could have known that this was something that we were going to gravitate to. It's sort of, you know, no one of no one would have suspected a worldwide pandemic <laughs> You're occurring. <exactly> right. <laughs> but given what has occurred, it's sort of been the area of specialty for any employment lawyer. If uh, you're an employment defense lawyer and you've not addressed a, a return to work issue or uh, <laughs> safety precautions in the workplace issue, accommodations, which we'll talk about later a little bit, um, or even COVID vaccine mandates, as this uh, podcast is about then uh, you've kind of <laughs> missed the boat. I, can't, oh, I don't yeah. know where you've been. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that, yeah, the result of the, uh, <clears throat> the pandemic has really made all employment lawyers sort of experts and geared us more toward this subject area. Yeah, something that none of us really ever wanted to have to face, I'm, <laughs> I know for yeah. sure. So, um, so looking back at, at 2020 and I think the date March 13th, 2020 when we first went remote, and I think almost every one of our members did as well. Um, and fast forwarding to today, what do you think has been the most surprising element that you've seen unfold related to COVID-19 in the employment situation? Well, there's there's really four things I think that really <clears throat> surprised me uh, generally. The first thing is, I think the lack of understanding, it's, it's kind of interesting that a lot of people and even some employers had no idea that they had an ability to impose vaccine mandates and that that's the operational uh, procedure or policy that can be mandated or can be put into place with the certain caveats and the appropriate protections, but it's sort of new to employers. It's, it's a little surprising that that was not a, uh, well known. And the other Second thing is the general misunderstanding of HIPAA. I've seen a lot of <laughs> calls to HIP about HIPAA, yeah. and you can't ask me whether I've been vaccinated. You can't ask if I have had COVID or the symptoms, and just a general misunderstanding of HIPAA and how it applies. The third thing I would say is the uniqueness of the labor market in this uh, pandemic. Um, what we've seen is that employees have taken in sort of their taken control over their own future and are more willing to change jobs, change careers without a backup necessarily in the pocket. Um, that they've kind of taken more ownership over their control. I don't know if it's just because of the catastrophic nature of the pandemic has made people kind of realize, you know, carpe diem, seizing the day right. or what, but that, that sort of uh, willingness to step away is one of those issues that employers face when they start thinking about mandates about, well, you know, I've already got issues about a workforce uh, labor shortage when we have over 10 million jobs, I think, in the last report available. And even though we only have 6 million unemployed, those jobs aren't getting filled. And right. that last thing I need is more employees walking away. The last thing, and this is from a bipartisan point of view, has, that's really been surprising is what I perceived to be poor messaging from the federal agencies under both administrations, under both uh, President Trump and President Biden. I feel there's been a lot of, uh, what, uh, what's the right word, but, you know, a lot of... Uh, misinformation, for one thing. <laughs> yeah, misinformation, a lot of lack of clarity that That's I think would have... Yeah. yeah, that would have gone a long way toward assuaging a lot of fair, uh, fears about the vaccine, 
or about lockdowns or things like that. Um, I think the messaging could have been better. I follow uh, Dr. Scott Gottlieb on Twitter, and I'm actually about to get his book, uh, who used to be the head of the FDA under uh, Trump, but left in 2019 before the pandemic. Uh, I'm very excited to read his book. I think it'll be very interesting. Uh, his perception of how the U.S. handled the COVID pandemic and plans or uh, suggestions for how to, in the future, ensure we don't have the same situation arise, whether any other global catastrophe occurs in regards to pandemics. Well, you know, what's really scary is they're saying that, you know, this isn't going to be the only one. They keep talking about the next pandemic. <laughs> we, you, know, you just sit here and I, I jokingly say around here that that face palm emoji is my, my favorite one. And every time I think about another pandemic, I see myself, you know, putting my hand <laughs> in my face, you know, going, oh, geez, not again. Um, I think yeah. this, this really did um, bring a lot of I don't know, opinions and, and things to the, to the surface that people didn't normally argue about um, and the, the vaccination um, requirements or mandates, or I, I think it's creating so much dissension um, across the business world. And, and I know we're gonna talk a little bit more about some things, but I think that's, that's um, been a real challenge for, for everybody. Um, so talking about stances on on vaccines there's been employers all across the nation and they have you know they've all taken various stances um some are making a vaccine a condition of employment and that that was kind of interesting i had one of our members say you know how can i put this in a job description and you know some are strongly encouraging i i we have monthly staff meetings and i literally said i'm begging you <laughs> it's like i i'm not mandating it but i'm begging you to get a vaccine um but you know some some companies are are suggesting that kind of like me you know that you you get a vaccine but they're not making that a requirement um, there's companies like morgan stanley goldman sachs wells fargo um, i think walmart and other companies um, they have now mandated uh, that all workers must get vaccinated or share their vaccination status before they return to the office and then others um, like General Electric have said, you know, they're not going to make those requirements because they don't want to com complicate global operations. You know, some are saying you have to have a negative test. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting, but I think all employers, and you kind of hinted at this, think about the legal minefield that they're going to find themselves in. So let's just start here on, on I'm going to give you a series of questions. So are COVID-19 vaccination mandates legal? And generally, yeah. go ahead. Uh -huh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I was going to say, generally speaking, yes. There, even before the COVID-19 pandemic, vaccine requirements have been supported by regulatory rules, state and federal statutes, um, and Supreme Court case decisions. Uh, I know a lot of people like to cite to Jacobson v. Massachusetts. This is where I'm going to get a little bit into the legalese. So I'm trying to <laughs> water or keep it, as short as, yeah, <laughs> keep it as succinct as possible. But there, are, there is case law as, long, as well as regulations related to the right of employers to require vaccination in the workplace. Um, Jacobson was a case uh, where the Supreme Court basically upheld the power of state legislators 
to require vaccinations. In 1922, the Supreme Court then ruled on a different case upholding school vaccine mandates. So these mandates have been in place. What you'll see, though, is that the discretion is wider and more available for private employers than it would be in regards to legislation or mandates. Uh, You know, I speak about this Jacobson case. I'll talk about it a little bit more when we start talking about what the Biden administration just announced last week in regards to mandating vaccines. But in regards to private employment relationships, there's been great discretion or great leeway provided to private parties in regards to how they manage their relationships, how they uh, determine who they want to work with, who they want to have as an employee and, and interact with or have and represent them. So, there's, you know, that leeway has generally existed. Now, to be clear, there are certain caveats you want to make sure are in place, and we'll get to those, uh, I imagine, when we get further into this podcast. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, um, in my position, I'll just come right out and tell you the thing that scares me about putting a vaccination mandate in place is losing employees. I don't want yeah. to lose people that I know have strong opinions you know, some I understand, some I don't, but, you know, I, I don't, I, I, that, that kind of cripples me um, from, you know, making people get their vaccination. And, and it's a difficult position to be in for any employer. Um, what, I mean, do you see any particular risk for employers who mandate the vaccinations? Yeah, so there's three particular risks I've seen in advising clients or hearing, uh, reviewing sort of cases that have come up or issues that have come up. And I think the first, the, the three issues, the main issues I'm saying, the first one, uh, and, and to be clear, these are legal issues. The first one is how to determine whether that exemption request is appropriate. Mm-hmm. If the person does have a good faith uh, religious belief a sincerely held religious belief to request an exemption from the vaccine mandate or whether they have a medical condition that precludes them from receiving the vaccine. See, uh, that's the first issue. You know, it, it's interesting because I was on a, uh, a webinar where they were talking about this with a, a law firm and they said that there are really limited religious um, exemptions or not, I'm sorry, not religious medical exemptions um, and they said, you know, a lot of times people will say they have allergies, and, and I literally wrote it down. They said, if you have a, an, an allergic reaction to polyethylene glycol, you should get the J&J vaccine because that's not in that particular um, vaccination. If you have a, an allergy to polysorbate, then you should get the Pfizer or, or Moderna um, vaccination. And, you know, they said there aren't really many um, – medical issues that would prohibit you from getting the vaccination. I have type 1 diabetes and have had it for, gosh, 36 years. And, and you know, my doctor said my system would be severely compromised if I didn't get vaccinated. You know, so yeah. that's a tough one, I think, you know, because some people just don't have enough knowledge maybe about their newly diagnosed medical um, situation, you know. So that's, yeah. that's a tough one. Well, yeah, so let me address that medical condition <clears throat> issue. Uh, that seminar you attended is generally correct. Uh, if you look at the CDC website, uh, the CDC in discussing vaccination really only recommends 
three specific health conditions that would preclude vaccination. And what it really only does is delay vaccination. Uh, the first one is if a person is receiving monoclonal antibodies or convalescent plasma for COVID-19 treatment. In other words, they've already gotten COVID. They're now getting treated for COVID. They suggest don't get the vaccines, but that only delays vaccination for about 90 days is the CDC recommendation. The second instance is people with known COVID-19 exposure where you may have COVID. You don't want to get the vaccine you, until you're through your quarantine period and you're through the COVID exposure concern, the possibility that you might have COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And the third one, which I think you addressed at the seminar, was severe allergic reactions. That's the, those are the only three health conditions the CDC kind of recognizes as, hey, hold off on getting vaccinated. Now, I know some employers, some clients of mine, have taken a more conservative approach because, again, it's, you know, medical conditions, getting a handle on understanding whether a person has a disability or a medical condition, a, a lot of employers are hesitant about, right? They're, they've got uh, not a clear understanding as how to handle the process or to what they can ask to confirm right. a medical exactly. So they kind of err on the side of caution. So we've seen employers um, have, uh, you know, provide exemptions in regards to health, uh, heart conditions uh, related to Moderna. There was a concern about maybe one of the side effects of Moderna is some myocardial issues that resolve, but that they want to be careful in that regard. I know a lot of pregnant women on a practical basis are avoiding it because they just don't understand uh, whether it has any impact on fetal development of uh, babies in the womb, even though the studies show that there's no impact on fetal development from any of these vaccinations. Or, or even for breastfeeding moms. My, my own daughter had a baby and, and she was concerned about, you know, nursing her, her daughter um, last year and literally asked the pediatrician and her, her um, obstetrician, you know, if, if there was going to be a concern. And both said no. So she got yeah. vaccinated. And- yeah. Yeah, and that's where the, the, the advice and counsel of your treating physician really becomes important. One of the things I kind of stress to my clients when employees come in with these kind of issues is, you know, have them talk to their physicians. It's, it's very clear it's a very limited amount of medical conditions that preclude vaccination. And in regards to precluding vaccination, all it does is delay it. You can get vaccinated subsequently. Um, so the exemptions are very limited with medical conditions. Uh, it's sort of the same thing with the religious exemption, uh, just to pivot a little bit, because it is also very limited in regards to who would have a sincerely held religious belief. To my knowledge, I'm only aware of three really religious sects that would be, that it's documented and well-known have an issue with vaccination. One is a Dutch Re- Reformation church, which I only learned about through uh, research, uh, Christian scientists and fundamentalist Muslims. Those are the only ones that really have expressed and put it as part of their religious doctrine concern about vaccination. Um, yeah, so it, it's also limited in that regard. And, and that's where employers kind of come in and it's one of the risks, uh, you know, that deals with this risk about what can I ask to determine the person is actually you know, has a sincerely held religious belief. How do I confirm this to ensure that they are exempt from having to get vaccinated? 
Well, I think that the hardest part for employers is, and you hinted toward this, they don't want to do the wrong thing, but they also don't want to upset their employees. You know, and, and you know, I, I sit there and think about workers' comp costs, and, and I know some companies are saying, well, you can't tra- travel on company business if you're not vaccinated. Or, you know, just they're, they're coming up with all different types of, of suggestions. And, and to your point about HIPAA, I had suggested for a conference that, um, and I've heard a lot of conferences are doing this, they wear um, either, you know, the the um, lanyards that would be red, yellow, or green, or, you know, bracelets, um, or even for weddings, you know, and the red says, yeah. you know, please don't come close to me. The yellow says, well, <laughs> if I know you, uh, you know, or whatever. And the green says, hey, yeah, come give me a hug, you know, and that sort of thing. And, and I had one person say, well, that's a HIPAA issue. And I'm like, no, it's not. That's a personal yeah. choice. Thank you very much. But, um, yeah, it's yeah, just that's, like, <laughs> that's <a> HIPAA issue. <laughs> so I think it's just one of those things that people are just afraid. You know, we, we don't want to do the mm-hmm. wrong thing. And and so they, like you said, err on the side of caution. But what do you think about that recent announcement uh, for the Biden administration about vaccine mandates? Wow. Um, I, I, <laughs> I was joking around. I guess I need to hire about 15 people. So, so we have to do it. And it's not my, it's not my requirement. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's very interesting. So there, there's a uh, it was a six-point plan that President Biden announced, and for purposes of employment or workforce, uh, the American workforce, there's really four main uh, points that really addresses employment. I think what you're going to see is that some of them he has pretty firm legal standing and ground on. Some are a little more questionable. And one that I think is going to be very interesting test case. So in regards to his proposals, his uh, mandate in regards to federal employees uh, having to get vaccinated and there will be no exception for opting out to be tested to opt out um, would probably be legal. He's the, the, imagine uh, the federal government as a corporation, Biden is the CEO, he's it, it, directing what employees he wants in his employment and that's fine. Uh, there's not much of a legal challenge there. I think uh, you, your organization put out a very good WIR about the uh, legal effects or implications of Biden's proposal or to have federal contractor employees mm-hmm. be vaccinated. <laughs> uh, contractors who work on certain types of contracts with the federal government, their employees having to be vaccinated. Um, his announcement is on less secure legal standing. Um, he, he needs to go through the regular procedural process through the Administrative Procedures right. Act. Yep. One way. <laughs> they got to yeah, write and, it down the way, <laughs> Exactly. You got to provide notice. You got to allow public comment. But he can get around that. Uh, if the agencies just issue emergency mandates uh, re- in regards to vaccination of contractors, they probably could get around the public notice requirements. The one that I think is most interesting is the big one, the one that private employers are really concerned about, which is President Biden directing, yeah, directing OSHA to issue an emergency temporary standard requiring employers of 100 employees or more require vaccination or alternatively require testing every week on at least a weekly basis to opt out of vaccination. 
Yeah. So the reason that's interesting, yeah, the reason that's interesting, and I, I'll try not to get too much into sort of the legal issues that just fascinate me as a lawyer, but basically <laughs> what he's doing is using the emergency uh, standard that OSHA allows the problem and the, the problem employers face when they are, when they yell, you know, this is unconstitutional <laughs> is the fact that OSHA has very broad powers. Congress exactly. uh, and, uh, authorized OSHA some very broad powers and under the emergency temporary standards, those powers are even broader. I think if I recall correctly, the standard is that they only have to show that there's a grave danger to employees. Um, one, and uh, two, that such emergency standard is necessary to protect employees from that danger. Well, no one can dispute that COVID-19 is a danger. Exactly. Where we get into sort of the interesting legal arguments is one, you're going to need a smart lawyer to basically come in and say, listen, Congress didn't have authority to delegate that power to OSHA. It's non the non-delegation doctrine. Uh, that's too expansive. Congress is supposed to be making laws. and uh, Secondly, the other argument is courts need to not follow the Chevron doctrine. The <laughs> Chevron doctrine basically says that courts, if Congress has not made a direct law on an issue, an administrative agency proposes or pushes out a regulation, courts should show deference to the administrative rule. So it's interesting from my viewpoint as a constitutional scholar, as a side interest, to know if someone's going to now argue to remove the Chevron doctrine. The one caveat I will say about emergency temporary standards from OSHA, OSHA has issued, if I remember correctly, 10 emergency temporary standards since 1971. Seven of them have been challenged. Of those seven, five have been stayed or vacated. So OSHA yeah. doesn't have a very good standing, a very good yeah. uh, record in regards to enforcing their emergency uh, temporary standards. So that's, that's where I see there, you're going to see the legal challenges, especially from big organizations uh, that represent groups of employers to challenge that rule. Wow. What, what do you think? Um, I mean, what guidance are you giving to your clients that are asking you, gosh, what does this mean? Yeah. Does this mean we have to have everybody vaccinated? What, what are we going to do? What guidance are you yeah. giving, Jay? So honestly, uh, Outside of the Biden administration's proposals, purely from talking with my clients as private employers, those who want to uh, provide <clears throat> vaccinations or uh, require vaccinations, which I recommend, I, I think it's perfectly legal, um, and we, you know, that's our goal to get around, get past this pandemic. I recommend the vaccine mandates, provided you put in the appropriate exemptions. And more importantly, there's really five things I think I tell my clients. The first thing is don't take a, an all or nothing approach. You know, don't say you either get vaccinated or you're getting terminated. Yeah. You know, provide the alternative, the opt out uh, possibility, whether that's weekly testing. Uh, there's issues related to that that we'll get into or some offer the incentives to the employment. Um, again, other issues arise from there. But. Don't offer the all or nothing approach. Uh, two, know your workforce. What's palatable to the largest majority of your employees? Who, you know, get an understanding of what your employees, where your employees are on this. What's going to work in California is not going to work in Tennessee. <laughs> you know, that's not going to work in Montana. Um, 
it's just a different standard. So understand your workforce, understand what they're going to be uh, comfortable with. Additionally, when you are implementing the vaccination policies, try the carrot before the stick. What we've seen is employers have tried many different ways to encourage vaccination. They've used uh, carrots and they've used sticks. And, and, and more and more we're seeing now that the sticks are being used because the carrots yeah. don't, don't seem to have the impact that the employers want. But start there. Start with the sticks. Start with the incentives, with the uh, gift cards or the bonuses that uh, are more encouraging. And then finally, provide notice. Keep, the, keep your employees informed. Keep the communication open. Start even before, if this is dealing with returning to work, before they return to work, give them warning. Let them know what your thinking is. Allow Q&A sessions with your company. Allow questions. Have someone dedicated to answer those questions. Help them understand why you're going the way you are. Um, but provide that notice. Provide them the warning. and prov- Encourage them uh, in such a way that, you know, like you've pointed out, Candy, there's a concern about losing employees and you mm-hmm. want to do this in a way such that you don't want to uh, deter employees from returning to work. You don't want them to go off and find other employment. But, you know, you have that counterbalance. You have employees, and I've heard these situations, who are unwilling to come back unless there's vaccine mandates. Well, they don't want to work with see, individuals who are unvaccinated. Exactly. That's I, I literally read something, I think, last week, and they said that um, a lot of the people that are really for or, or are proponents of the vaccine mandates are the vaccinated people because they don't want mm-hmm. to work with unvaccinated people and be placed and you know in an unnecessary risk situation you know but i i remember thinking when we were talking about a hybrid work policy which i've since pushed back to even you know bringing some people back to work you know a few days a week or something and you know it's i didn't want to lose people with that so i mean i i don't yeah. want us to be 100 percent remote but I don't want to require everybody to come back five days a week because I know I could very easily lose some people and we're being successful as we are, you know, and and I think, you know, it's the same type of decision-making process that every leader is going through and you want to do the right thing, but you also, and, and I've made it very obvious with my employees, is that safety is first. You know, safety is first. We, yeah. We've seen people, we've seen loved ones, um, you know, get sick, we've seen loved ones die. And I wouldn't put that, you know, I wouldn't want that for any anyone else. And so it's been a real challenge. I think this is something that, as we said at the very beginning of the podcast, people that are working today have never experienced this before. You know, I mean, we've, we've had smallpox, yeah. but that's really been, you know, prior generations that had to deal with that. Um, and we've, we've all learned about what they went through, but we haven't faced it ourselves. So... Um, yeah, and very, very, very briefly, let me just point out that that that's one of my concerns about the Biden administration's announcement last week. Um, the messaging about getting vaccinated really only appeals to those who are already vaccinated. Once you impose a government-issued mandate, that just hard, it, what I've seen is it hardens the position of those who don't want to get vaccinated. Hey, don't tell me what to do. It's an interesting sort of thing. And what and what we were seeing before the announcement is one, a downturn on the Delta variant, a small downturn, but a downturn a little bit, and 
actually increased numbers in vaccinations before Biden's announcement. That people, the vaccination numbers were getting higher and higher, and a lot of that had to do with private employers or private relationships uh, resulting in vaccinations or seeing what has occurred with the Delta variant. I thought we were on the right path toward getting vaccinated, and I'm a, uh, my concern about the mandates that President Biden issued is it's going to steal the, uh, those the fortitude of those who just don't want to get vaccinated now saying, well, why is the government pushing it? That's an interesting perspective. I hadn't actually thought of that, but that really is interesting, interesting to think about. So let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about uh, some of the requirements or, or ideas that, that companies are putting into place, like Delta Airlines and, um, yeah. you know, the, the mandate. I, I've also heard, and I I, I well, no, it was Delta um, that is putting a two hundred dollars surcharge, a monthly surcharge on their medical surcharge. benefits. What do you think about yeah. some of these? Are they legal? Or are they good ideas? What's your thought? So, so let me start sort mm-hmm. of from the the most lenient in regards to not requiring vaccinations to the most stringent uh, in terms of vaccine mandates and what I've seen across the spectrum. You start with those companies who are not putting in any vaccine mandates, making no requests about vaccination. That is becoming smaller and smaller. I don't see as many employers, unless you're, like I said, in certain uh, states that are very uh, vociferous about not having those kind of mandates in place. Uh, But those are smaller and smaller. And more importantly, even if you have no vaccine mandate, well, that means you're going to have to impose sort of all the uh, social distancing, masking, temperature checks that we had at the start of this pandemic. Before We're we still ended. doing that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, then we go sort of closer, sort of using the carrot. Hey, we're requesting you get vaccinated. If you get vaccinated, I'm going to offer you, you know, a gift card or a bonus or extra PTO, things like that. I don't so really that's like all that. Permitted. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people don't like it, but it's the thing that there's clear definition on because the EEOC on May 28th, when they issued and updated their COVID-19 guidance, made it clear that's permissible. Oh, so I know. Yeah. Offer, yeah, those incentives. And that's where employers are saying, well, I've got a guidance from EEOC. I know I can do this. But you know can, what, Jay? So go there. Yeah, but you know what, Jay, on my thought, or what my thought is on that, is that what about all the people that were taking the position early on that, you know what, they recommend we get this vaccine, I really should probably get it, and they do. They didn't get any and benefit, they a, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, they and, didn't get any benefit. Yeah, so that, that's something that bothers well, me. Well, the, the message, you know, there's that concern. The messaging I always tell my uh, clients who raise that issue is think of it this way. The way you encourage them is the benefit is you are now no longer working with someone. Who's I, know. <laughs> I knew. I knew that was that's the benefit to you. <laughs> I knew that was coming, Jay. I could. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're right. And you're right. I, I, I yeah. get that, but it's it's unfortunate yeah, that it company, takes that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But you think companies like Trader Joe's, Aldi, Amtrak offer those kind of programs, incentive programs to reward vaccination. The one caveat I want to put in place to any listener who's thinking about that is the permissibility of those incentives lessen if the employer itself is administering those vaccination programs. So the thing, three things I caution is make the reward small. You know, the larger it gets, you don't want to make it seem like you're coercing someone into vaccination, which is that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. Yeah, if you offer a car, it's coercion. <laughs> <laughs> you offer, hey, you I'd offer do about a $50 anything. Gift no. card, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, offering time off 
for vaccination is a safe event than cash stipend. Uh, that time off is easier to administer and handle. Uh, and if a financial incentive is offered, you know, you have to find alternatives to the incentive for those who have religious beliefs or medical exemptions. Exactly. Uh, because if you treat them differently, yep. that's the grounds <laughs> for a discrimination claim. Yeah, that... So that, then we go sort of... Yeah, from there we go into sort of the stick. You know, where people start saying, listen, we need a mandate. Now we're going to quote-unquote punish you. Uh, for example, the one that I'm recommending the most is, you know, if you're going to have a mandate, then imposing work restrictions on unvaccinated, mask requirements, testing, limits on interaction, those sorts of things. Uh, again, being careful about those who have true exemptions and that it's not altering the terms and conditions of their employment because then you're talking about discrimination issues. Exactly. Uh, the next one down is, as you mentioned, Candy, sort of financial burden imposing financial burdens like Delta did with a $200 increase on the monthly <laughs> medical premium costs for unvaccinated. You know, those are uh, permitted. There's legal precedent on that. Uh, there's surcharges for employ employers sometimes imposed on smokers as part of their wellness program. Yeah. But, you know, you run into you run into a lot of regulatory issues. Uh, you, it's very, to administer, you need to worry about HIPAA, you need to worry about ERISA, you need to worry about the Affordable Care Act, you need to worry about the uh, GINA. Uh, oh, yeah. These are all acts you have to be aware of and ensure that whatever you're putting in place complies with all those laws. But you know, so it's, it's, it, it, let it's me difficult. Just, yeah, well, and but I, I think what, what the unvaccinated folks don't think about, and I mentioned it at the top of the podcast, <clears throat> If you're traveling on company business and you get infected, well, the company has to cover that because it's a worker's comp issue and, you know, you're on company business. If you get sick or you die and you're on the company's medical coverage, that contributes to their experience rating for next year's premiums. You know, and, and I don't think people are thinking that far into the process, but, you know, I keep preaching about safety, um, you know, but there's a lot of people in a lot of companies that, I mean, you can see it, you know, I mean, I, I watch people walk around unvaxxed or I mean, unmasked all the time and, you know, yeah, I'm vaccinated, but I still wear my mask just because I, I don't want to get uh, the Delta variant. And, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things that, I mean, obviously I'm in a position where I have to think about costs, but I don't think a lot of employees, you know, they they pay their medical premium, they go to work, they do, you know, they don't think about the yeah. organizational costs. <clears throat> no, from a practical viewpoint, I think it's very rare that an employee thinks of a, the employer's costs when it comes to issues that arise for that uh, individually. But, you know, that was the reasoning by Delta. They said, you know, we got to put in this $200 surcharge because if anyone gets COVID, treatment's about $50,000. Exactly. That our medical insurance has to cover. So we got to, you know, be concerned about that. Exactly. I think the further the furthest stick you're going to see is those who say, listen, either you get vaccinated or you're getting terminated. Uh, that's not a, <laughs> that's the all or nothing approach. I try and dissuade my clients <laughs> from taking. That's not a good one. <laughs> uh, no, it's not a great one. It's one that, though, you will see arise from more healthcare settings, right? Uh, situations where you're taking care of immunocompromised uh, patients or customers and, 
and, and that's the, the concern. And, and so healthcare mandates uh, are a little different than what you'll see for private employers not in the healthcare field. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it was interesting. I was very pleased on August 23rd, 2021, when the FDA approved Pfizer's vaccine. And now they're, I heard the other day that they're um, expecting to have the vaccine approved for children as young as five years age, of age. And I can't remember if they said by Halloween or by Thanksgiving. But um, I've heard people say, my kid's going to be first in line. You know, they want to get their kids vaccinated. Um, do you think that this has, has changed employers' attitudes or even, even um, the unvaccinated folks, their attitudes about, okay, well, this vaccination must be safe now. Maybe I should get it. Have, what do you think about yeah. that? Yeah. So, unfortunately, <laughs> in the reasons I've seen, I'm not sure employer hesitancy to the vaccine mandates was because of the fact the vaccines had only been granted under an emergency use authorization by the FDA. I just don't see that. From, I mean, it may be a reason. It's not the most prevalent reason. Uh, I think the reasons I saw employer hesitancy uh, in regards to vaccine mandates had more to do with, you know, being cautious in your approach. One, seeing what other businesses in your industry are doing. What's the approach they're taking? Two, waiting to determine the efficacy and potential risks associated with that. Yeah, vaccination. I think that's what it was. Now, yeah. 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 Now we're, we're a little further along. We can see 178 million have gotten the vaccine. There's, there's been no, no death. And that goes toward messaging. A lot of people seem to think there have been deaths or, yeah. or from getting the vaccine. Uh, that's a messaging issue. You know, taking a softer approach to start, you know, a lot of employers just requested vaccines to start. Again, not wanting to push people to leave their workforce. I think those have been bigger considerations than whether the emergency use authorization or whether the vaccine's been fully approved. When it comes to employees, the reasons for non-vaccination are so varied. I think it does affect a small number of the population, but I've also seen surveys from SHRM where, you know, 28% of uh, employees have said they're not getting vaccinated regardless of whether an employer mandates it or not. They'll just leave their job. So I don't know, you know, I think the full approval by the FDA as to Pfizer changed some minds but not to as large an extent as we would have hoped. I think you're, I think you're right on that. I, I tend to agree with you on that. Um, what do you think about all of the vaccine requirements that, that vary from state to state? I know one of our employees went to a school board meeting and said, what a nightmare, <laughs> you know, and trying to get masks yeah. approved for children. I mean, it's just, it's school district by school district, it's state by state. What do you think about it, and and what do you think people should do to figure out what their state is requiring? Yeah. So I think there's a <clears throat> lot of, you know, people are getting over-inundated. With <laughs> yeah. Some of it true, some of it false. Uh, but it's sort of sensationalized in regards to what the actual mandates are uh, and what uh, all these videos we're seeing from school board meetings of parents just being absolutely angry over mask mandates and and other parents being absolutely angry that there aren't mask mandates uh mm -hmm. you know politicians who uh held off on mask mandates get called the worst names some really oh, bad yeah. names and, yeah. yeah and you know all but uh, trying to cut through the noise 
let's understand when it comes to outright bans on private employer vaccine mandates at this stage, only two states have expressly forbidden private employers from mandating vaccines, Montana and North Dakota. <laughs> um, aren't even that heavily populated or they're, no. they're yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Now that, that, now that changes when it comes to state worker mandates. Okay. Uh, to those to those listeners who are you know state workers who work for a government entity, there's 19 states that have vaccine mandates for state workers. In other words, you have to be va- vaccinated. But there are still seven states that say you know we're not going to put any kind of mandate and in fact ban certain forms of mandates in regards to state workers. Whether it's prohibiting requiring the requirement of showing proof of vaccination, as in Indiana or Texas or prohibiting public employers from requiring vaccination as a condition of employment, uh, which occurs in Utah and Tennessee. That's with state employees. Uh, Like I said, when it comes to private employers, there's really only two states that have uh, precluded or explicitly explicitly said, you know, you're not allowed to have uh, mandates on your employees. Which is interesting because, I mean, it's so, you know, everything's so vocal in, in... the political world, but it seems like, you know, some of the states that are led by Republican governors, although Indiana is, and, and I mean, they've, they've been pretty, pretty careful, I think, about what they say and what they require. But um, Montana is a, a Democratic, or you know what? No, that's a Republican state now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, a Republican okay. state, but Montana okay. is also the only state that doesn't have that will employment. They're very unique when it okay. comes to that's the, employment okay. laws. Yeah, that, Okay. So, yeah. you know, that, that goes in that regard. And one of the things we need to clarify is about these, uh, you know, these mandates. You know, the big news is always about Governor Abbott in Texas or Governor DeSantis in Florida. Mm-hmm. What they've <laughs> kind of said is, listen, you cannot impose mandates, uh, mask mandates, uh, but that doesn't prevent a parent from making that choice. That's what putting, I keep thinking. You know, yep. Yeah, and, and what it's sort of a different like, philosophy. Whether it's a good philosophy or not, it's not for me to say. But you know, we what we're seeing in California, New York, you know, the more liberal states is we're going to tell you you got to have a mandate because we want to make sure there's a law that puts make sure you do it. And what Texas and Florida is saying is, listen, we're not going to make the law, and it's not our position for the government to tell you what to do, but. That doesn't prevent you from doing it. You can still wear your mask. You can still take your shots. It's just not us directing you to do it. You should be doing it on your own. Right. And it's interesting because both Abbott and DeSantis are vaccinated, and they've both encouraged vaccination. They, they're not they're not anti-vaxxers. You know, Governor DeSantis rolled out a very good vaccination program in Florida, mm-hmm. but he's just saying, "Listen, I'm not going to be the one who mandates you get vaccinated." Well, and, and I think that's, you know, bottom line, I think this is ridiculous if people try to make it a partisan issue because getting vaccinated, staying healthy is truly a bipartisan, bipartisan issue at the highest degree, you know, so. Well, I think that, yeah, that goes to the issue of, you know, there's been some mixed messaging that should have been clear. Yeah. For example, with Johnson & Johnson, we had those six cases of uh, women over 50 getting developing some thrombosis from taking the vaccine, the federal government put an immediate pause. Exactly. Now, whether that whether that was good or not, what you see in reality is those people who took the Johnson and Johnson shots or people who took Johnson and Johnson shots fell off drastically 
after that pot. I know. I know. Johnson and Johnson has not been used as as much. As and that pause did a lot of damage when you realize this is, you know, it's an understanding of risk and what the statistics are. You know, six out of a million is still very low percentage. It's less than, I think I saw certain studies, you know, you have a greater possibility of developing this condition from taking birth control if you're a female than, mm-hmm. than getting the vaccination. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's messaging issues. Yeah, and I think and that's... That, and that, that's the, yeah, that's the same thing with the reporting, the website the federal government runs in regards to reporting injuries or death following vaccination. They may, you know, the website has the caveat, no one reads it, and I felt they should have been <laughs> clear about it, that there's no correlation. It's not deaths or injuries caused by the vaccine. It's just deaths and injuries that occurred after someone got vaccinated. So it could have been from something else entirely. But people have been using that website to say, hey, the vaccinations are killing people. And that's not the case. Oh, that that's a really interesting point, Jay. And, and it's probably a good good point to, to leave everyone with. But let me just ask you one more thing. We've covered so much information. Is there anything sure. else that you think employers need to be aware of or um, any cautions that they need to take related to COVID-19 or, or vaccination requirements? Or do you think we've covered that? Yeah, there's two things I think employers should be aware of coming forward. We are now seeing laws being passed in certain states where if a person loses their employment because they've not been vaccinated, they will be entitled to unemployment benefits. Um, It's unclear whether they be entitled, but three states, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and I believe Tennessee, have introduced legislation saying if you lose your job because you refuse to take the vaccine, you're entitled to unemployment. Okay. and then the other caveat in regards to everything we've been saying is in regards to a private employer, if you have a unionized workforce, there are different issues you need to confront in regards mm-hmm. to collective bargaining, uh, engaging with the union in regards to uh, establishing new policies related to vaccination. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's, it, it's never ending. Oh, but, uh, oh, oh go ahead. I do have one other thing I realized I didn't hit on. Payment, how employers pay for time off or vaccination or uh, illness or side effects resulting from vaccination. Understand that I under, uh, President Biden has kind of mandated through the OSHA emergency mm-hmm. temporary standard that employers are going to have to pay for, pay for that time off. Excuse me. Um, understand outside of the OSHA rule, state laws are probably going to require employer payment especially if the vaccination is instrumental or to the performance of duties. So this is going to be a case-by-case basis, uh, really about what job duty uh, the individual has. But if they are customer-facing retail, it's more likely that the vaccination is necessary for the performance of their job. Right. Yeah. You as the employer is going to have to pay for the time off to get vaccinated. Uh, or if they get sick, have side effects, you're going to have to pay for that time off um all of that you need to understand compensation issues related to vaccination so you left left me with a good um point to make and that is something that i recommend to our members on a daily basis um and that's when you're trying to figure out what the next step is 
always make sure that you include your legal counsel and and follow what they recommend because they're the ones that are the experts about it. Certainly not us in HR. Um, as, no matter. Yeah, how I'll, much I'll give you. Yeah, I'll give you two resources. One is the EEOC's guidance on COVID-19. Obviously, stay up to date with that. And then there is a website, www.nashp.org, which is the website for the National Academy for State Health Policy. They have an interactive map that shows mandates by state. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and provide a little bit of information, sort of the superficial information about the laws in each state related to private employer mandates, state worker mandates, health worker mandates, vaccine passports. Um, So that is a starting point to kind of keep you up to date on what the law is in your particular state. And then if you need further clarification on what the law actually says, speak to your counsel. Okay, that's incredibly helpful, Jay. Thank you for that. Okay, so... Thank you very much, Jay, for all of your information. I'll tell you what, I learned a lot and I thought I, I thought I knew quite a bit about this, but I really, I'm truly, I truly mean that. I learned a lot this morning. Um, we like to end every podcast though with five rapid fire questions. So I'm going to give you sure. a topic or a question and I want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. So are you ready? Sure. Yep. All right. Technology sav- savant or ludite? Oh, you know, I'm, I am I know enough to be dangerous, but not enough to know what TikTok is. <laughs> <laughs> so you're kind of halfway in between. Um, yeah, I'm like any Gen Xer. We're right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Books or movies? Uh, both. I, I actually am a, <laughs> I have a voracious appetite for knowledge or information or entertainment. The problem with being a lawyer is there's not a lot of time to read because exactly. you, you read for your job. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I, anything I can get my hands on, I will read or watch. All right. Well, it sounds like my daughter, actually, she's one of, one of my daughters is an attorney. And uh, my other daughter is, is in the Doctor of physical therapy program. And so she's having to read a lot. My older daughter has always loved to read and had to read in law school. And, and she doesn't read quite as much anymore, but she's now a mom, <laughs> yeah. too. So it's like, I, yeah. I get it. She doesn't have that much time. Um, okay, advice you've received that still resonates with you today? Uh from my mom who passed away 10 years ago uh, said, uh, be yourself, always be yourself. That's really all that matters. If you're true to yourself, uh, whether people like you, whether people hate you, it doesn't matter. Just be true to who you are. That's great advice. I like that. Uh, favorite sports team? Well, there's a few of them. <laughs> Atlanta Braves for baseball, uh, the Niner, San Francisco 49ers for football and, uh, San Jose Sharks for hockey. Okay, I'll go with the Sharks, but uh, <laughs> I'm a I'm a Colts and a Cubbies fan. Uh, yep. Okay, as an attorney, caffeine has to be your best friend. Coffee or tea? I'm going to have to say tea, even though I'm not a big fan of tea, because <laughs> I actually don't drink coffee. Really? I am one of the few attorneys who don't drink coffee, and I often wonder how I survived law school. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, because like I said, my daughter's an attorney, and I know what she went through, so I don't know how you did it. Yeah. But <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Jay, and, and sharing your knowledge and, and your insight on this very important topic. 
you know, with, with so many unexpected challenges that we talked about earlier that have been thrown at employers over the last year and a half, it's certainly something that requires special attention and careful consideration in businesses, both large and small. And if our listeners would like to connect with you, what is the best way that they can get in touch? Uh, my email address is jwang at foxwangmorgan.com. Our law firm website is www.foxwangmorgan.com. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the DE Talk podcast. Stay connected with direct employers on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and subscribe to our emails by visiting directemployers.org slash subscribe to receive notifications of new episodes each month.